Welcome to our Clothed with the Sun daily podcast, our reading and meditation on the gospel of the day. I am James Thomas. Today is Saturday, the 16th of December, 2023. It is the second Saturday in Advent. Tomorrow we begin the third week of Advent. And um, it is the last day before what we call the uh, the seven days of the O Antiphons leading up into Christmas. The O Antiphons are found in the prophets, uh, just the different titles of our Lord referring to the Messiah coming, such as found in the song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Each verse, I believe there's seven verses in that song, each verse reflecting one of the O Antiphons. Anyway, that begins tomorrow. Today we continue our journey with John the Baptist even though John the Baptist, well, he is in this reading. Okay, let's just do the reading. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew. As they were coming down from the mountain, the disciples asked Jesus, why do the scribes say that Elijah must come first? He said in reply, Elijah will indeed come and restore all things. But I tell you that Elijah has already come. And they did not recognize him, but they did to him whatever they pleased so also will the Son of Man suffer at their hands. Then the disciples understood that he was speaking to them of John the Baptist. So we continue with this theme as we're looking at John the Baptist of suffering for the faith. I'm thinking right now of cancel culture in which we live, where you can say all kinds of ridiculous, crazy things that are leading our society deeper and deeper into moral degradation, and you're fine. But as soon as you speak truth, something like there are only two genders, then you are canceled. How often have we seen our bishops be canceled for speaking the truth in our current day and age? How often have we seen our priests canceled? I have so many stories of priests being canceled, a priest that I know very well, teaching his eighth graders to pray the rosary and being told by the pastor, you are not to go in the eighth grade anymore, teaching the RCIA students that only men can be priests and being told you are not to teach RCIA anymore, hearing the confessions of the kids at a youth group meeting and being told you are not in charge of that youth group, you do not just take it upon yourself to start hearing their confessions, heaven forbid. And the list goes on and on and on of people being cancelled. The pro- canceled. The, the prophet Elijah was cancelled for what he did. He proved to the people that there is only one God and it is Yahweh. And he is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And he has given us the Ten Commandments. And he is a, well, we use the word jealous. God doesn't think the way that we think. But in a way, he's a jealous God who is very offended when we worship false gods, uh, and certainly when we engage as they were at the time in all kinds of weird rituals that involved uh, fornication and prostitutes and all kinds of weird stuff. Uh, Anyway, Elijah was canceled, but still he was vindicated. The Lord worked through him. The Lord performed miracles, and the true believers found him and followed him. Still, God's people are vindicated. There is always a faithful remnant. Then we have John the Baptist. John the Baptist was canceled. What was he telling people? Turn away from your sins. And they killed him for it. 
and it was especially the leaders, both religious and secular, that hated him because of who he was, because of what he did. And now Jesus, the God-man himself, the Messiah himself, is going to be canceled in the worst possible way because he preaches the truth. Well, I mean, there's the human reasons and then there's the divine reasons. He came to pay the price for our sins, but he uses this opportunity, if we want to call it that, he uses this reality of him being rejected by the scribes, by the elders, because he preached the truth, because he didn't do it in a way that glorified them. He didn't do what they wanted. So cancel culture will always exist. It exists now. It existed back then. People don't want to change. So what do we do with it? Well, there's two answers. On the one hand, sometimes we're called to preach the truth, even if it means we're martyred for it. And we're going to find ourselves in situations where we have to do that, plain and simple. Even when we lose our jobs, even when family members reject us, that's always going to happen. Those situations are always going to exist. There's always going to be people that we offend. We're going to lose friends. We're going to, <clears throat> I mean, who knows? You know, the book of Revelation talks about the mark of the beast and people won't be able to buy or sell. And then we have things in our society resembling that, starting to resemble that more and more. Could it be what Revelation is talking about, or could it be something else? We don't exactly know, but will we be perhaps, and, and this has already happened, not permitted to shop in a store because we hold fast to the truth? Will we not be permitted to receive certain services and perhaps even to eat? certain foods, certain places. God always provides. But will we be canceled because of our beliefs? That's true. But then on the other side, I just think to myself, you know, Jesus himself said, shake the dust from your feet and move on. So Jesus didn't say, oh, only pursue those things and people and places where you're going to get beat up. No, he warned us that sufferings will be there. Sufferings will come. We will be persecuted. The world will hate us. But he also said, find the people that are going to listen and stay at those houses and eat and drink what is offered to you. So Jesus also promised us that in addition to the peace that we get from him, in addition to all the grace and love and joy that we get from him, we will find people in this world that help us, that love us. So we still need to be pursuing. I was talking to somebody about this yesterday. It's okay to pursue happiness. I mean, you're not always going to find it. But it's okay to pursue it. It's okay to pursue real friends and not just the people that beat up on you. It's okay. It's good. We're, we're human. We're not sadistic. And I, I was also talking to somebody recently about the difference between humanism and Jansenism. What's very ironic is that so many people in our church today will follow St. Louis de Montfort and at the same time be Jansenist. And I'll explain that in a second. But... St. Louis de Montfort specifically wrote his writings in a very humanistic manner. The difference between humanism and Jansenism, humanism says the human person is good. It's what Pope John Paul taught. It's what St. Francis de Sales taught. And devout Catholics need to learn this more and more because very often devout Catholics find themselves in the camp of Jansenism that says we're supposed to just be like angels. We're not supposed to enjoy life. The body is bad. Love is bad. Romance is bad. Affection is bad. Sports are bad, <laughs> right? All the things in life that are not sinful that we're permitted to enjoy. 
uh, a Jansenist would say, no, 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 that's all bad. Reject all of it and just pray and suffer. And so, you know, this is why we have brilliant writers in our church like J.P. II, John Paul, like St. Francis de Sales, like St. Louis de Montfort, who talks about the beauty of motherhood and how we need to be born again from the womb of Mary. He uses beautiful mother-child imagery that's very human and that's very consoling and very loving and very comforting. And a lot of what he was doing in the way he wrote was to uh, confront Jansenism, this idea that uh, motherhood is bad, the body is bad, human love is bad, etc. We have to find that balance. Anyway, so will there be suffering? Yes. Will we have to lean sometimes on the idea that, well, at least I'll go to heaven if I die a martyr? Yes, it's true. But we still need to pursue the good. This is why we always look to like... Some of the greatest saints have been the greatest evangelizers. And why did they evangelize so well? Not because they suffered well, although they did suffer. But specifically, why did everyone love them and follow them? Because they were human. They were the best of humanity. Because they were loving. They were beautiful souls. I think, once again, of Pope John Paul II. A beautiful soul. He just was hugging and kissing everybody. And everybody wanted to hug and kiss him. Everybody wanted to be in his presence. You would just start crying when you were in his presence because he was so loving. And that's how Jesus was. Just the epitome of love and joy. Pope John Paul would take this all over the world as Pope. He'd bring it to all countries of the world. And just an endless stream of just loving and hugging and kissing, right? And... You know, just his, I mean, he couldn't hug and kiss everybody, but in his speeches to the millions of young people that came to World Youth Days, lots of fatherly affection, lots of kindness. I love the movie with John Voight, Pope John Paul II, because he does such a great job of capturing that, as well as uh, the guy from Princess Bride who plays John Paul when he's younger. That movie is such a good movie because it captures just what a loving man John Paul II was. And who knows how many millions of souls were affected by him. And his writings still have yet to be fully understood and fully appreciated, fully read, fully uncovered. We need to read his writings because they convey the heart of the man. And we saw how effective that man was in converting people and loving people and bringing the love of Christ. Another one that I think of is St. John Bosco. His brilliant, brilliant love of young people that just reached them all, that brought them all in. They, like It's like a mother hen, you know, gathering the young ones under the wing. And he, by the end of his life, he had helped tens of thousands of young boys. There was also the same movement founded for girls after the example of what he was doing for the boys. And like 5,000 of them became priests. That's how effective he was in converting these hearts. Another great one is St. Damien of Molokai. The way he just knew, all right, my human life is over. We need somebody to go to the leper colony. It means you're probably going to get leprosy and die. And he says, yes, I'll do it. And he goes and he just loves on those people. And he has them all worshiping. He has them all turn into Jesus. Why? Because they realize now what Jesus is all about. It's not the church that runs society that rejects us and forces us to go to this island. But rather, it's the church that comes to us and reaches out to us in love. And this is what he did. And yes, it took his life in the end. 
but not before he had a few really good years of just loving a lot of people. And these people go into their death with great joy. Another one I think of is Maximilian Colby. When they were in the starvation bunker, normally you hear screams, but when he was in there with the nine other men starving to death, they were singing songs and laughing. <laughs> that's humanism. That's that's the real Vatican II. People want to reject Vatican II because of like some of the negative things that came from it that, that brought our church down. I mean, it's true. There's like this negative spirit that came out of Vatican II that really destroyed a lot of things. But the actual writings of Vatican II, uh, especially Lumen Gentium, if we truly read them and understand them, they're based on a Christian humanism. A Christian humanism we find in JP2, a Christian humanism we find in St. Francis de Sales, and some of these other people that I mentioned, where there's a joy in the gospel. Jesus was a joyful man, and Jesus drew people to himself because he was attractive to them. The gospel is attractive. Love is attractive. And this is what we're all called to. So I know we've gone in a lot of different directions today, but to sum it up, are we sometimes called to suffer? Yes. Is it sometimes lonely to be a Christian? Yes. John the Baptist, did he die for his faith? Yes. Jesus died too. We are called to take up our crosses. Yet, we are called, first and foremost, to be men and women of love and joy and peace that comes from the Holy Spirit, so that even if we face difficult things in our lives, if we've cultivated that peace within us, we carry it with us, and it's a greater love, a greater joy, and a greater peace than anything this world could ever give us. Hope everybody has a great day. God bless you.